What a blessing it is to be together as the body of Christ. What a blessing it has already been this morning to worship together, to share together, to share burdens with each other. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll be starting in verse 20. And for our visitors who are here this morning, we've been going through Hebrews for the last few months. We've actually been going through Hebrews chapter 11 for a little over a month. But I, it has been a true blessing, uh, as, as it always is, to take deep dives into Scripture and to understand what God is teaching each of us. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. As I said, this chapter, this book, has been so rich and so deep, so full of examples for us as Christians full of challenges, full of examples of how it is to live by faith. Today's verses don't disappoint. We have multiple instances where men had the opportunity to feel kind of impatient kind of weary of waiting for what was rightfully theirs. We have multiple men who in detail saw future blessings and rested in them. Our outline this morning, if you've been going through chapter 11 with us, probably looks pretty familiar. We're going to look at the promise, the faith, and the fulfillment of the promise and the finality of the faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for this text, for this truth, for this provision that you have made through your promises. Lord, we pray that your spirit would guide us this morning as we look at this text, as we look at these men and the future faith that they had and the hope and the power that it provides us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, we have the promise, and it's not listed in these verses, but it's important that we go back there because these three instances point to a specific promise, a specific part of a promise. It says, by faith, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, these three men, faith by faith, faith in what? God, of course, faith in God. But faith in what particular promise of God's? Again, it was the promise that was given to Abraham. Genesis chapter 17, verse 4. It says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. And then down to verse 6. It says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations. And the kings shall come from you, 
and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be to you and your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. Now, our verses today focus, as I alluded to, one particular element of that promise. And he said, I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourneys, all the land of Canaan. This is a long-term covenant, a long-term promise. Each of the individuals in our text today, had faith in that promise, in that particular promise. They were not there at the inception of the promise, but they were all in. How did they demonstrate that? How did they show that they were, quote-unquote, all in on this promise, that they believed it, that they trusted it, that they had faith in it? Why are they in this chapter? Well, once, and I've talked about this a lot as we've been going through chapter 11, but once Abraham got over himself, he displayed great faith. His son Isaac followed suit. Verse 20, it says, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. There is a lot in that short sentence. Just a little bit of the backstory there. Jacob deceived his father. And he received a blessing that was intended for Esau. Genesis chapter 27, starting in verse 27. It says, so he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. And may your mothers and sons, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now this whole principle of blessing is a vast topic of its own. And a rich thing to study to understand the power and the influence that this principle of blessing has. There is power in blessing. We don't have the time this morning to go in that. That could be a sermon on its own. A study of its own. There's some resources out there to understand that, and there are more examples of blessings throughout Scripture. But today, looking at this text, we want to focus on the future faith of these men and how it manifested in the speaking of blessings. Isaac was near death. He believed in the promise that God had made with his father. And he desired to pass that on to his sons by means of a blessing. Now, by rights, the greater the blessings belong to his son Esau. 
But with the encouragement and help of his mother, Jacob stole the blessing. And God honored it. He honored the blessing. Not Jacob's actions, but the blessing. Genesis chapter 27, verse 3. When Isaac realized the deception, it says, Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who is it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, speaking to Esau. And I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Despite the deception, the blessing was Jacob's. That's what Isaac was confirming here. It was through Jacob's lineage that the promise was indeed fulfilled. Genesis chapter 27, verse 39. Esau did get a blessing. Then Isaac, Esau's father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now this gave Jacob some pause. Now, how he could have even been a little bit surprised that Esau would not be pleased that this whole thing went down, I don't understand. But this gave Jacob some pause. He was afraid of his brother, and Esau was upset. But in Genesis chapter 33, verse 10, it says, but later, and then, when later in this verse, this is when Jacob and Esau meet after several years. And, and Jacob is still very nervous and concerned. He's trying to hedge his, his circumstances to, to protect him and his possessions and his family. And he's coming down the road. He comes to Esau and it says, Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand. For I have seen your face, Esau, which is like seeing the face of God. And you have accepted me. Esau forgave Jacob. Now, as I said, there's a lot more to this story. But it's important to see those, those highlights of the story and how this all went down. And how much of a struggle it really was. But this whole incident between Jacob and Esau and the birthright, it was not outside of God's plan. We talked about it last week. It was necessary. But despite his grief concerning the, what would you say, misplaced blessing, Isaac would double down on that blessing to Jacob. And he didn't just repeat the blessing. He added to it. Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 3. It says, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, Jacob, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojourneys that God gave to Abraham. 
The author of Hebrews, in his short sentence, mentions nothing about this deception. But both sons are listed as having future blessings. Although, they are listed in order of blessing and not birth order, as an interesting note. Isaac firmly believed that these blessings would be fulfilled. Isaac trusted God. He had future faith. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. As with Isaac, while it was not due to deception, Jacob's blessing went against the natural birth order. When Jacob was dying, Joseph tried to have the greater blessing given to Manasseh. He tried to tell his father he was doing it wrong. He tried to get him to give it to the firstborn Manasseh. But Jacob crossed his hands to designate Ephraim as the greater. God is not bound by human traditions like those that give preference to the firstborn. He's not bound by human expectations. He fulfills his purposes as he chooses. He is sovereign. This incident with Jacob and the blessing of Joseph's sons, like Jacob and Esau, illustrates the power of the blessing. With its fulfillment far in the distance of time, as a result, Ephraim's descendants would get preference, would get first choice of the land when they are finally ushered into the land of Canaan as a result of this blessing of Jacob crossing his hands. It would affect down even into those generations to that level. At the time that Joseph's words were spoken, fulfillment could be known only, only by faith. The author then speaks of Jacob as having a worshipful attitude. That's why he brings in about bowing over his staff. This was no small deal to Jacob at all. It was important and he knew it was important. As he blessed the sons of Joseph, he knew the immense significance of what he had just done. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Genesis chapter 50. Verse 24, we see this actual incident. It says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 
Then Joseph made the sons of Israel Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry out my bones from here. Joseph knew, he knew by faith that God will fulfill his promise. He knew that the children of Israel would return to the promised land. He had faith. And he attached a physical element to it, his very bones. But what happened to his bones after he made this command? Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry out my bones with you from here. Moses did it. Joshua 24 verse 32. As for the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem. In the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Haman, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money, it became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. Joseph's faith, Isaac and of Jacob, looked past death, looked past the end of many men's death, their time ending on this earth. It looked far into the future. Though his words seemed to refer to nothing more than his burial arrangements, they were more than that. The order to carry his bones to Canaan gave evidence of his, Joseph's, deep conviction. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Why would he make such a request, such a command? Because he was giving a marker, giving a tangible thing of, you guys are going into the land of Canaan. Your descendants are going into the land of Canaan and you're going to take my bones with you. Joseph's faith That in his time, God would send the people back to the land where Abraham had dwelt in tents. Joseph had built his life. From the age 17 on, had built his life. He had received his notoriety in Egypt. Yet he wanted his bones carried back to Canaan. These verses this morning cover the faith that three generations had in the promise. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph believed that God would give them the land, give their descendants the land of Canaan, the promised land, through his son Isaac, to have as an inheritance until the end of time. From the time of these three generations, roughly, 
to the time that the promise will be fulfilled, that in recorded in the book of Joshua, when they enter into the promised land, was over 400 years. Their faith was in that future promise that was fulfilled 400 years later. To give us a little perspective, and I know we know 400 years is a long time, but to give us a little perspective, the United States has been a nation for almost 250 years. And if you studied U.S. history, you know there's a lot of things that have happened in those 250 years. But for this deliverance to their promised land, for their descendants to be delivered to the promised land was 400 years. The faith that these men displayed was, to use the word again, immense. They knew that they weren't going to realize it in their lifetimes. That's why Joseph said, take my bones. They knew they were about to die in each, in each circumstance. But they knew that the, it was going to be fulfilled in their descendants. And not only were the descendants going to have to wait 400 years, but they were going to be enslaved. One of Satan's tools, one of his ways to distract us, to weaken us, to tear us down, is the need for instant gratification. Even in our lifetime, at least in mine, we had to wait for a lot more than we have to wait for now. Now, are these conveniences sin? No. But when we put our faith in conveniences, when we insist that we need what we want, what we think we need now, that we're not going to wait for it, that's not faith in God. Faith requires patience. It wasn't fair, fair, it wasn't fair that Jacob got the blessing over Esau. It wasn't fair that Ephraim got preference over Manasseh. Satan tempts us not only to want it now, 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 but he tempts us to make everything about us. I mean, in its essence, Refusal to wait or impatience is making it about us. And Satan's game is to tempt us, to cause us, to push us, to make it about us. About our comfort, our recognition, our rights. Faith requires humility and sacrifice. I believe that God used the circumstances. I believe that he uses our unfair circumstances to remind us that he is in control. To remind us to put our faith in him. Not in our position, not in our power, but in him. Just like God fulfilled his promise the promised land to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. He has fulfilled his promise of a savior to us. All of the fulfilled promises in the Bible manifested through physical means because God made his creation 
for us to interact with, for us to see him in, for us to realize him in. In all of these promises manifested in the physical, through physical means. But they serve one singular purpose, to provide for us a Savior, to prove to us our need for that Savior, and to give us every opportunity to turn to that Savior. Do we understand that this morning? Do we have the faith? And that faith is only available supernaturally. But we have we put our trust in the Savior to give us that faith? To patiently wait, to endure hardships, to en- endure being wronged. We can only do that by faith. Faith in Christ alone. Have you embraced? Have you realized? Have you acknowledged the faith that is yours to be had? The faith that these men in our chapter this morning, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the faith that they had to look forward to this promise 400 years, generations in the future, but to have such incredible faith in that, to tell it to their children, ensuring that it would be passed down to their children, ensuring that it would be passed down to us today. But in their specific case, that 400 years from then, they would be ushered back into their promised land. And that through the lineage of Abraham, not only would they go back to the promised land, but but we would be given the physical manifestation, the incarnation of our Savior. The promise was fulfilled. They received the land of Canaan. The promise was fulfilled. We received a Savior. That Savior lived, died, and was resurrected so that we could put our faith in the future promise of eternity with the God who created us. I pray that you know that faith this morning. I pray that the faith of these faithful individuals strengthens that faith in you. I pray that you walk each day knowing that despite the difficult circumstances, despite the trials that you face, your salvation is sealed when you put your full faith and trust in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you, Lord, for the covenant that you made with Abraham. For the covenant that Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph believed so staunchly in. That they told to their descendants, who told it to their descendants. And we thank you that you are a God who doesn't break your promises. And that that promise was so beautifully and fully fulfilled. And we thank you that your promise of a savior for us was fulfilled in your son. May we, by faith, walk in the power of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and learn and be strengthened by the faith of the pillars of the scripture of history that you have given us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.